0: Well, we're going to have our passage read out for us. Uh, James is going to do that for us shortly. And it's the last part of our Genesis series, Genesis 49 and 50. And just to say, if you don't have access to a Bible and you'd like to read along with us this morning, well, there's a link below this video where it will take you to a page where you can read it as it's being read out. And as Dave will later come and open it and explain it to us. But just before James reads it and then Dave uh, speaks, Let me pray as we read God's word together. Our Father in heaven, we thank you so much for your words. We thank you that it reveals who you are and we thank you that it reveals what you've done. And we pray now as your word is opened uh, that you would uh, allow this message that Dave has prepared for us to hear uh, to be a real blessing to us as we hear. And we pray that it would leave us loving you more than when we first tuned in uh, this morning. And we pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, thanks, James, for reading our passage to us.
1: Let's come to God's word together now. Let's read from verse 1 of chapter 49. Then Jacob called for his sons and said, Gather round so that I can tell you what will happen to you in the days to come. In the following verses down to verse 28 is Jacob's message to his sons. Then in verse 29, then he gave them these instructions. I am about to be gathered to my people, bury me with my fathers in the cave in the field of Ephron the Hittites. Down to verse 33. When Jacob had finished giving instructions to his sons, he drew his feet up into hit the bed, breathed his last and was gathered to his people. Joseph threw himself on his father and wept over him and kissed him. Then Joseph directed the physicians in his service to embalm, his father Israel. So the physicians embalmed him, taking a full 40 days, for that was a time required for embalming. And the Egyptians mourned for him 70 days. When the days of mourning had passed, Joseph said to Pharaoh's court, if I have found favour in your eyes, speak to Pharaoh for me. Tell him, my father made me swear an oath, and I said, I'm about to die. Bury me in the tomb I dug for myself in the land of Canaan. Now let me go up and bury my father, then I will return." Pharaoh said, Go up and bury your father, as he made you swear to do. So Joseph went up to bury his father. All Pharaoh's officials accompanied him, the dignitaries of his court and all the dignitaries of Egypt, besides all the members of Joseph's household and his brothers and those belonging to his father's household. Only their children and their flocks and herds were left in Goshen. Chariots and horsemen also went up with him. It was a very large company. When they reached the threshing floor of Attad near the Jordan, they lamented loudly and bitterly. And there Joseph observed a seven-day period of mourning for his father. When the Canaanites who lived there saw the mourning at the threshing floor of Atad. They said, the Egyptians are holding a solemn ceremony of mourning. That is why that place near the Jordan is called Abel Mizorim. So Jacob's sons did as he had commanded them. They carried him to the land of Canaan and buried him in the cave in the field of Machpelah near Mom, Which Abraham had brought along with the field as a burial place from Ephron the Hittite after burying his father joseph returned to egypt together with his brothers and all the others who had gone with him to bury his father when joseph's brothers saw that their father was dead they said what if joseph holds a grudge against us and pays us back for all the wrongs we did to him so they sent word to joseph saying your father left these instructions before he died this is what you are to say to joseph i ask you to forgive your brothers the sins And the wrongs they committed in treating you so badly now please forgive the sins of the servants of the god of your father when the message came to him joseph wept his brothers then came and threw themselves down before him we are your slaves they said but joseph said to them do not be afraid am i in the place of god You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good, to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. So then, don't be afraid. I will provide for you and your children. And he reassured them and spoke to them kindly. Joseph stayed in Egypt, along with all his father's family. He lived 110 years and saw the third generation of Ephraim's children Also, the children of Machir, the son of Manasseh, were placed at birth on Joseph's knees. Then Joseph said to his brothers, I am about to die, but God will surely come to your aid and take you up out of this land, to the land he promised on oath to Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. And Joseph made the Israelites swear an oath and said, God will surely come to your aid. Then you must carry my bones up from this place. So Joseph died at the age of 110, and after they embalmed him, he was placed in a coffin in Egypt.
2: Good morning, everyone. This morning we're concluding our journey through Genesis, and in particular looking at the lives of Joseph. I found these weeks a real blessing, and in particular seeing the hand of God on Joseph's life and the way he worked out his purposes through Joseph. Three big characters stand out in these two closing chapters, Jacob, Judah, and Joseph. So three J's to hang our thoughts on this morning. Let's start with Jacob in chapter 49. In verse 2, Jacob says, Listen to your father Israel. Why does Jacob call himself Israel? You may recall earlier in chapter 32, a strange incident where Jacob wrestles with God. Jacob wrestles with this divine man right through the night until the man will bless Jacob. And the man asked Jacob, what is your name? And Jacob told him, Then the man tells Jacob he will now be called Israel, that name meaning he struggled with God. Hence the reason Jacob refers to himself as Israel. So let's see what happens in chapter 49. Verses 1 and 2 say, Then Jacob called for his sons and said, Gather round so I can tell you what will happen to you in days to come assemble and listen sons of Jacob listen to your father Israel so here in chapter 49 Jacob is about to die and he's bringing a prophetic message to his sons he's telling them what will happen to them and the tribes they'll lead in the years to come it's a very solemn occasion these are his final words to his 12 sons And you can be sure they were hanging on every word. He starts in verse three with Reuben, his firstborn. And as firstborn, he will be entitled to a double inheritance. What does Jacob say to Reuben? Reuben, you are my firstborn, my might, the first sign of my strength. I brought you into being. He describes him as excelling in honor, excelling in power you can just see Reuben patting his chest well done Reuben he says to himself but what comes next Jacob continues his appraisal of Reuben in verse 4 turbulent as the waters you will no longer excel for you went up onto your father's bed onto my couch and defiled it Reuben was no longer patting his chest. He was stunned. He slept with his father's concubine Bilhar, and now his father was describing him as impulsive. Whereas he should have been a leader, now he would no longer excel. He would fail in leadership. It was a terrible outcome for Reuben. And years later, Jacob's prophetic words will come true. In the book of Judges, we see the tribe of Reuben unsettled, lacking in peace. And Judges uses the expression, there was much searching of heart for the tribe of Reuben. It's fascinating to follow through Jacob's summary of his 12 sons and see these prophetic words finding fulfillment in generations to come. Let's look at one more, verse 14. What does Jacob say of his son Issachar? Issachar is a scrawny donkey lying down among the sheepfolds. And Jacob ends his summary by saying Issachar will bend his shoulders to the burden and submit to forced labor. Wow. (laughs) Has your dad ever called you a scrawny donkey? You may have been called some things, but probably not that. Yet Jacob's words would come to pass. The land the tribe of Issachar inherited was a broad, fertile plain, and it was subject to invading armies. It was vulnerable to attack. And that's what happened. The tribe of Issachar was forced to work for the invaders. Do check out the others. It's a fascinating study. But what it teaches me is that what God says either through words of prophecy or through his own words, will come to pass. You and I can safely anchor our lives on the promises of God's word. Yep, storms of life will come. We are facing an extraordinary storm at this very time. Everything seems to be changing. The future may seem uncertain, the way ahead not clear. But God is with us. He has not changed. His promises are as sure and as certain as the day he spoke them. If you feel unsettled, turn again to God's promises and start building on those promises. They will provide an unfailing anchor. Let's complete the picture of Jacob from these chapters. At the end of chapter 49 we have the death of jacob he's predicted the future for his 12 sons then he gives them these final instructions i am about to be gathered to my people bury me with my fathers in the cave in the field of machpelah near mamre in canaan which abraham bought as a burial place so this cave was a family tomb abraham Jacob's grandfather was buried there, along with his wife, Sarah. Jacob's father, Isaac, was buried there with his wife, Rachel. Jacob had buried his first, wife, his first wife there, Leah. And now Jacob instructs his sons to take him to Canaan and bury him there too. The final verse of the chapter says, When Jacob had finished giving instructions to his sons, he drew his feet up into the bed, breathed his last and was gathered to his people. Jacob had died. The opening verses of chapter 50 describe the funeral arrangements. Pharaoh grants Joseph permission to take his father's body to the family tomb in Canaan. Now a normal time of mourning in Egypt was 40 days. But Jacob was mourned for 70 days, just two days less than a Pharaoh would have been mourned. Then we read of the funeral cortege. It was incredible, maybe similar to the cortege for Winston Churchill or a head of state. And the size of scale of the event showed what great honor was given to Jacob. Jacob's final wishes were granted. He was buried with his grandfather and his father, Abraham, Isaac, and now Jacob too. If you were asked to do a tribute at Jacob's funeral, what might you have said? He lived a long life, 147 years, the last 17 of those having been spent in Egypt. When Jacob was given audience with Pharaoh, he described his life as having difficult years. He had 12 sons with four different women. His previous 22 years he'd been in mourning. His much, son, much loved son Joseph was lost, presumed dead. Yes, in Jacob's life there had been many struggles. He had failed God in different ways but we find he never lets go of God and certainly God never lets go of him. Back in chapter 46, as Jacob heads to Egypt, taking his family with him and leaving behind the land of Canaan, we read in verse 1, When he reached Beersheba, he offered sacrifices to the God of his father Isaac. And then God speaks to Jacob in a vision. Jacob, Jacob! God calls. Here I am, he replied. Here's what God says. I am God, the God of your father. Do not be afraid to go down to Egypt, for I will make you into a great nation there. I will go down to Egypt with you, and I will surely bring you back again. And Joseph's own hand will close your eyes. What God had promised to Abraham and then to Isaac, he now promises to Jacob. He will make Jacob into a great nation. Jacob had had his struggles, his failures, his doubts, and yet it's through him that Almighty God would accomplish his purposes for his people Israel. I find that really encouraging. Like Jacob, I have struggles failures and weaknesses maybe you feel like that too yet god can take weak lives and work out his purposes through them through me and through you too at the very start of matthew's gospel we have the genealogy of jesus his family tree It starts with abraham then 28 generations later we read and mary was the mother of Jesus, who is called the Messiah. And part of that family tree was Jacob. Abraham was the father of Isaac. Isaac, the father of Jacob and Jacob, the father of Judah and his brothers. We find too that Jacob is in that great chapter of heroes of faith in Hebrews 11, along with Abraham and Isaac. He was an heir to that future eternal city that God was building. So Jacob with all his failures and weaknesses is still part of the family tree of the Lord Jesus. And he appears too in that great gallery, the heroes of faith. So surely that means there's hope for you and me too. God had purposes for Jacob As he has for each one of us let's seek to live our lives yes far from perfect let's live our lives to the glory of god our second j is judah he's number four in the family tree of jesus abraham isaac jacob the father of judah and his brothers and judah the father of perez and zerah As we've been helpfully led through these chapters in Genesis, let's recap one or two moments when Judah steps into the spotlight. As with Jacob, there's highs and lows. Back in Genesis 37, when the brothers had thrown that dream of Joseph into the cistern, it's Judah who says, what will we gain if we kill our brother and cover up his blood? Come. Let's sell him to this Ishmaelite tram- camel train that's approaching. And that's what they did. Not Judah's finest day, selling his brother for 20 shekels of silver. Then in chapter 43, we see Joseph's brothers again at starvation point and needing to go back to Egypt to buy more grain. And yet this time they have to take Benjamin. the the Egyptian official, Joseph of course, had said, no Benjamin, no grain. Jacob was distraught at the prospect of Benjamin having to go, but Judah steps in and says to his father, send the boy along with me and we will go at once so that we and you and our children may live and not die. I myself will guarantee his safety You can hold me personally responsible for him. If I do not bring him back to you, I will bear the blame before you all my life. That's a positive for Judah. Then one more flashback to chapter 44, the silver goblet belonging to Joseph has been found in Benjamin's sack. Joseph had said that whoever sack the goblet was found in would become a slave. It was in Benjamin's sack. You can imagine Judah's heart sinking. He'd made that promise to his father to bring Benjamin back. What could he do? And so Judah pleads with Joseph, the Egyptian official. He tells him that if they return without the boy, their father will surely die. The chapter closes with these words of Judah. Please let your servant remain here as my Lord's slave in place of the boy and let the boy return with his brothers. Judah asked that he might take Benjamin's place, that he might be substituted for him. I'm reminded when I think of Judah's sacrificial act of another far greater sacrificial act. When the Lord Jesus stood in my place and took the penalty for my wrong when he died on the cross. The old hymn writer puts it like this bearing shame and scoffing rude in my place condemned he stood sealed my pardon with his blood hallelujah what a savior. When Jacob spoke prophetically to his sons, his words for Judah pointed beyond Judah and the tribe of Judah to one who would come, one who would reign throughout eternity. Yes, Judah himself would be dominant like a lion. He would be dominant over his enemies and he would receive praise. But verse 10 of chapter 49 says these words, looking forward to a coming time. The scepter will not depart from Judah, nor the ruler's staff from between his feet until he to whom it belongs shall come and the obedience of the nations will be his. Who is this one who will come, one to whom the nations will bow? Revelation 5 verse 5 says, Then one of the elders said to me, do not weep. See the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David has triumphed. He is able to open the scroll and its seven seals. Then I saw a lamb looking as if it had been slain, standing in the center of the throne. The lion and the lamb, the Lord Jesus Christ, This is the one to whom the nations will bow. One day, every one of us who love Jesus, we too will bow in his presence. Isaiah, speaking 700 years before Jesus, said these words. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor. Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, of the greatness of his government and of peace, there will be no end. Jacob, in his prophetic words to Judah, looked forward to the Lion of the tribe of Judah. Isaiah looked forward to the one who would reign eternally, a reign of justice and righteousness and peace and we too look forward. One day we will bow our knees before the Lion and the Lamb, our Saviour, the one who gives eternal life and hope to all who place their trust in Jesus and yield their lives to him. Well, our final J is Joseph. As we've looked at the life of Joseph, I think I'd summarize it in two words, disaster, destiny. It was a rough start for Joseph. He was Jacob's favorite son and his brothers despised him for that. Then he was given two dreams that appeared to elevate him over his brothers. We're told that they were jealous of him and they hated him all the more. For a 17 year old lad that was a pretty bad outcome in his teenage years. The plot thickens. His his older brothers are grazing the family flocks and Jacob sends Joseph to find out how they're doing. That wasn't a smart move. The brothers see him coming and realize that this is their opportunity to get rid of the brother they despise and hate. So they throw Joseph into a dry system. We'll tell dad a wild animal has devoured him. But then the brothers see a Midianite camel train coming. And they see an opportunity not only to get rid of Joseph, but to make some money too. So for 20 shekels of silver, they sell Joseph, and he's taken to Egypt. He's sold to Potiphar, one of Pharaoh's officials. And we read that the Lord was with Joseph, so he prospered. Then the things go downhill again. Potiphar's wife makes a false accusation against Joseph and he's thrown into prison. But once more, Joseph is not alone. Chapter 39 records, while Joseph was there in prison, the Lord was with him. He showed him kindness and granted him favour in the eyes of the prison warder. Put yourself in Joseph's shoes for a moment. You are despised and hated by your brothers. When you go to find out how they are, they throw you into a deep, dried up water hole. There's no way out. You're facing death. Then they drag you out and sell you to a bunch of Midianite traders. They take you to a foreign land. Things for a while go better than you'd hoped for, but then you're falsely accused and thrown into prison. How would you feel in Joseph's shoes? I think I might feel life was a bit of a disaster. But then we see Joseph's destiny unfolding. The Lord was with him. He prospered in Potiphar's household. He's shown God's kindness and he's granted favour, God's favour in prison. Maybe the pattern of Joseph's life may seem like yours and mine at times. We too face Disasters, broken relationships, ill health, the loss of bereavement, the loss of employment, job interviews that don't work out, failure in exams, unfulfilled unfulfilled dreams and hopes, and you end up feeling very low and disheartened. Let the story of Joseph strengthen our hearts in those low times. Remind yourself that in that alien land, God was with Joseph. Cast into that prison, God was with Joseph. Through times of disaster, through times of difficulty, through situations Joseph would not have chosen, he was not alone. God was with him. That's true and for you and me too. However tough the situation we face, God is with us. Let's draw strength from that. Sometimes it's as we look back, we see God working out his purposes in our life, though we may not have seen it at the time. What I learned from Joseph is that in the dark days, when he couldn't see a way through, he still trusted God was with him. He didn't doubt that God was still working out his purposes. In chapter 45, Joseph was able to say to his brothers, it was to save lives that God sent me ahead of you. So then it was not you who sent me here, but God. Joseph saw the bigger picture. By faith, he realized that God's plan for his life was being fulfilled. He was in God's place, in God's time. Yes, there may have been disasters, but there was also a destiny, a plan that was God was now unfolding. And dear friends, that's true for you and me too. In Jacob's prophetic words for his 12 sons, in chapter 49, what he says for Joseph is very powerful. In verse 22, there's the promise of fruitfulness. Joseph is a fruitful vine. And the name of Joseph's son, Ephraim, means fruitful, that was fulfilled. In verses 23 and four, there's the promise of victory. The verses say with bitterness, archers attacked him, they shot at him with hostility, but his bow remained steady, his strong arms stayed supple. And from Joseph's two sons, Ephraim and Manasseh, came Joshua, Deborah, Gideon and Jephthah and all of those were victorious in battle. Jacob's prophecy for Joseph and his offspring was fulfilled. And Verses 24 and 25 tell us the source of Joseph's victory. His bow remained steady, his strong arms remained supple because of the hand of the mighty one of Jacob, because of the shepherd, the rock of Israel, because of your father's God who helps you, because of the almighty who blesses you. What was the source of victory in Joseph's lives, in the lives of his children and their tribes, and in your life and mine? It was because of the mighty hand of God and he is with us. Because of the caring shepherd, the rock of Israel, and he is with us. Because the almighty God, the helper and the source of blessing, and he is with us. Go back to those two verses. Drink them in. Let them be a blessing to you. And may God help you to build on that amazing foundation, the rock of our salvation, the Lion and the Lamb, the Lord Jesus Christ. And so the book of Genesis closes. closes. Joseph reassures his still fearful brothers, don't be afraid, am I in the place of God? You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good, for the saving of many lives. The curtain closes with the death of Joseph at the age of 110, but the testimony of his life lives on and has been a blessing to us. May the testimony of your life and mine be a blessing to others too. Let's pray together, shall we? We thank you, Lord, that as we looked into heaven in the book of Revelation, we saw the lion of the tribe of Judah who had triumphed. And thank you, Lord, that that lion reigns throughout eternity. He is victorious. He is the king of heaven. And throughout eternity, we who love you, Lord, shall worship him. But thank you too, Lord, that we saw a lamb that had been slain. And we recognise, Lord, that it's because of that slain lamb, the Lord Jesus Christ, that we have a door open for us to know you personally, to live with you here and now, and to live with you throughout eternity. We thank you for the victory of the cross. And Lord, we praise you for the transformation that it's brought to our lives. We thank you in the name of Jesus. Amen.